0: Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Daniel chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get started. Father, I thank you for those that you brought here today. Not one person is here by accident. Lord, I don't just make up what I'm going to preach. You gave it to me. So, Lord, I ask that uh, you cause folks to hear what needs to be heard Calls them to see what needs to be seen and we'll leave here giving you all the honor and all the glory for what you accomplished this day in Jesus name we pray and we all say Amen. all right verse 1 Nebuchadnezzar the Babylonian king this man was considered the greatest king in all of Babylonian history he was brutal but uh, he was also very powerful and an incredibly ambitious man uh, his hallmark in history is this is the guy that created the beautiful hanging gardens in babylon which actually in the ancient world was the one of the seven wonders uh, of the world but he was also the instrument god used to destroy jerusalem his people went astray and god raised up nebuchadnezzar particularly to defeat Uh, the israelites and every vessel god uses has issues and problems Uh, jesus is the only perfect person god has ever used so even though god used him uh, we're going to bump into his imperfections today so nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold Now his kingdom, now he he ruled much of uh, uh, the known world, if you want to call it that at that time, uh, pretty much from uh, Iran, uh, Iraq area, all the way to Egypt he ruled and uh, he was very very powerful so he was rich enough to make this statue of solid gold but it was probably uh, made of wood and clay covered in uh, gold which was really the custom of the day much like the ark of the covenant it had a gold uh, uh, skin around it but it's really made of wood so but still it was a tremendous display of wealth even if it was a thin layer of gold Uh, the size of the statue was magnificent so a whole lot of wealth and money was on display It goes on to say whose height, speaking of the statue, was 60 cubits. How many of y'all know what a cubit is? I don't either. Uh, But I know some folks who do, and and they measured this. And its width was six cubits. So it was basically about uh, 90 foot tall, which is the height of an eight-story building, if you will. But I wanted to illustrate this to you clearly, so I I asked Ephraim actually to mark the Statue of Liberty for us. So if you'd show the the Statue of Liberty, Uh, the size of this statue was from the tip of her, her nose down to her heel. So it was a tremendous statue, a tremendous accomplishment. But then on top of that, it says, he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Now, plain lets you know that it was a flattened area, so this statue was put in a place where Nothing could compete with it for attention. And again, you had the desert sun beating against the gold. It was splendid. It was magnificent. Uh, You know, the the sun would shine and and just generate off it. And and it was just a tremendous accomplishment. Verse 4. And uh, the, the statue was there for a reason. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it's commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages. Again, much of what we call the known world at that time, was under Nebuchadnezzar's care. So he required all the different nations and their representatives in Babylon to worship this statue. That at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music. This was a tremendous orchestra, uh, and there were too many instruments to name, so that's why it said, you know, uh, all kinds of instrument of music here. He said, but as soon as you hear the music, I want you to do something. You must fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. So the worship of this image happened with tremendous pomp and circumstance. But how many of you know real worship only requires a grateful heart? When it's real, it doesn't require all that. You don't need a band. You don't need need nothing. Just you and your God. When we really got that music going on on the inside. But when it's not real, you got to work really hard. Then he said, and whoever does not, I'm stuck on that point. I'm going to come right back. I appreciate all this up here. But if that's what you need, you're not yet a worshiper. All that is is assistance. It kind of helps. But let me tell you, if they're off, I'm still on. God is still God. I don't care what they do with the notes, I don't care if it breaks down, there's still a God worthy of my praise and my worship, and I can go there with or without them. And that needs to be the testimony of everyone in our room. And the, and, and the king said, and whoever does not fall down in worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of the fiery furnace. In a moment, we're going to see that Nebuchadnezzar made an exception for three men, obviously, that he liked, because he said, if you didn't do it immediately, this would happen. But that was not the case. He gave them another chance, but I'm still a little bit ahead of myself. So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you see, music is a powerful, powerful instrument. It has a, a way of going uh, past the head, deep down into the heart. And um, this is what the king needed He didn't need a lot of thinking Because when you think about it, it's kind of idiotic to think that man could create something that should be worshipped You understand? Only God, the invisible God, uh, is to be worshipped so, so again, he, it was an emotional thing and, and again, by the way, a lot of that's happening today We have great music, but have you listened to the words? But we, you know, but have you listened to the words? Stay with me he said, well, when this music sounds, a lot of people, they bobbing their head to the music, but they only realize what was being stated. In 70, with all kinds of music, I want all the people, nations, languages, to fall down and worship the golden image which Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now courage is the ability to stand alone when the crowd is moving in the wrong direction. I have a photo I want to show you that is going to be a little difficult to see on your screen. But everybody in that image is saying "How Hitler," except one man who's like "No." Amen. And I don't care if the whole nation, everybody in the world, you hear what I'm saying, is falling down before false idols. I want to be that man. No. Here's something I'm learning. Just be yourself because everybody else is taken. Yeah. Verse 8. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and began to accuse the Jews because they worship one God. The only God. Here's something I've learned. It's not something I want to admit. It's not something I wish was the case. But here's something I've learned if nobody ever accuses you of anything, it's because nobody takes you seriously. It's when you become a threat that's when folks start talking. So these three boys that wouldn't follow the crowd became a threat. To the entire nation. Skip to verse 12. So, other leaders that are jealous of the three bring report to the king. He said, Well, oh king, there are certain Jews whom you set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Again, the three men we're gonna read about were not just some poor peasants with nothing to lose, these guys had a whole lot at stake. Said so there's three guys in great authority in your land, and we're going to name them Shadrach, Meshach, and that bad Negro. <laughs> it was a multicultural coalition <laughs> from Israel. They said, and these three men do not regard the words of the king. Martin Luther, who was also a, a man with frailties and who made some mistakes, but his courage started the Protestant Reformation. And without him, Grace Church would probably not be here today. And at the Diet of Worms, and as a misleading title of the Synod, but what it was was all the Christian leaders from all over the world came together. And the the Pope was a little bothered by Luther's new understanding of Scripture. And all the church world came to this synod. And everyone wanted to hear what Luther would say. Would he yield to the Pope or to his conscience? So this little monk stood up in the middle of the room... And he said words so significant and important that I want to read them verbatim. He said, unless I'm convinced by scripture, see, that's the problem in churches. We got four points taken from Newsweek, USA Today, but the people don't know the word. But he was a different type of man. He said, unless I'm convinced by scripture, I don't care what the government said. I don't care what the Pope said. I don't even care what this great religious assembly says, unless I'm convinced by what? Scripture. And then he says, in plain reason, meaning he was not just some fanatical wild-eyed guy that made no sense, you know, well, you know, he, he wasn't a thinking person. No, he's a thinking person. He said, listen, unless scripture or plain reason says otherwise my conscience is captive to the word of God and I cannot and I will not recant anything for to go against conscience would be neither right nor safe things like God help me because I know they're going to try to kill me Uh but this was the courage and this is the way we got to approach life Unless I'm convinced by Jesus' scripture or plain reason, my conscience is captive. Has your conscience been taken captive into the freedom and liberty of Jesus Christ? The hardest choices in life are typically between what is right And what is easy? And the battle is almost always between the two. Verse 13, then Nebuchadnezzar, in a rage and a fury, easily upset, man of tremendous power, gave the command to give Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego the order to come to him. So they brought these men to the king. This is important. Everyone's not always going to agree with you. This is very, very important. Commit it to the Lord, hold your ground, give it time, and you will eventually win the day. You say, Well, Bishop, where do you find that in Scripture? I find it throughout Scripture. Remember on a Friday, all of Jerusalem shouted, Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And now 2,000 years later, one-third of the planet Earth calls him Lord. you got to uh, hold your ground. Give God time. And he will ultimately do what only he can do. Nebuchadnezzar then spoke saying this. Now he's giving them another chance because he's, he's already said immediately you're going to die. But see, he liked these guys. They were good leaders. And they were, he was really, they were really helping his, his kingdom. He said, now, now Shadrach now. Is it true, you guys, that, that you don't serve my gods or worship the golden image which I have set up? Remember, I'm king. And the king in this era did not just own the kingdom. He owned the people in the kingdom. So the power of life and death was, was just a blink away. Yes. So he calls these men on the carpet. He said, listen, I'm, I'm going to give you all another chance. Now, if you're ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre psaltery, and my great symphony with all the different kinds of music. And if you fall down and worship the image I have made, good. I mean, listen, guys, I'll forget the whole thing. You just do what I want you to do. Next verse, though. But if not, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. He said, guys, I will burn you alive. I will kill you dead. There will be a toe tag on your feet. Do you realize who you're dealing with? But this next statement is where Nebuchadnezzar went just a little bit too far. God can tolerate arrogance to a certain level, but but he just pushed the envelope and it fell off the table here. And then he had to go on and start talking about their God. And who is this God who will deliver you from my hands? Nebuchadnezzar just poked a bear. God's arms are never too short to save. Never get so big in your head that you think you could really have a boxing match with God. And Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego, the Bible doesn't say they even got into a huddle. They answered. They said this to the king, Oh Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need. Uh-oh. You answered the king. <laughs> but we have no need to answer you in this matter. These guys are saying, king, we're not even going to have a back and forth with you about the foolishness you just put in our ears Mark Twain said this he said don't argue with fools they will drag you down to their level and then beat you with their experience somebody else said argue with a fool people watching won't know the difference I just messed up your Thanksgiving dinner He said, If that is our case, O King, our God, whom we serve, not you, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. I don't care what you say, we don't have the slightest doubt in our mind that our God can save. And then they went on, and He will deliver us from your hand, O King. One way or another, our God will prevail. Watch this. But if not, let us make it clear, O King our principles are not open to the highest bidder, our principles are not subject to the biggest bully. But if not, you see, things don't always go the way we plan. We can't just tell God how he's going to deliver and how he's going to do something. But if not, we have already counted the cost. And we value God's pleasure more than we fear the consequences from any man. And these boys stood there In the presence of an almighty king. And I'm sure everyone's face in the room got ashy. And they were trying to figure out what's going to happen next. They said, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not, we will not, and we shall not serve your gods. Nor will we worship that old silly image you have set up. MLK famously said, a person not willing to die for something is not fit to live. Here's a question. Most of us, our relationship with God is a convenience. We live in the United States of America where we have somewhat religious freedom. Let me ask you a question. What are you willing to die for? What will you put it all on the line for? At what point do you say, you know what, that's enough. I'll go no further. These men finally reached the tipping point. They were captives from Israel away from their land and and their God and, and they had accommodated as much as they were willing to. But when he put up this 90-foot statue, it just went a little bit too far. Here's the question. When is it too far for you? Then Nebuchadnezzar, full of fury, he got mad again. Nobody talks to me that way. I am the king. And the expression of his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, meaning he was like, come on, guys. Y'all are good servants. I I don't want to have to kill y'all. But they didn't listen. See, the further a person drifts from truth, the more enraged they get at people who speak it. Every now and then I get these angry emails and I look up to heaven and say, thank you, Lord. I'm still hearing your voice. Oh, that was, that was clapping ground. That was clapping ground. He spoke, this is the king, and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. Winning people's heart for God is not always going to be easy. A lot of times they will test you first to make sure it's real. When those moments of test come, they just try to say, is this real? Don't run from them. Do as these boys did. You can watch the results, Scripture 22, and we're going to be quicker than normal today. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, in the end, God would actually protect his servants better than the king was able to protect his servants. That's important.